really doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter for those of you that like to bake. You try something out and it doesn't work out. Hmm? It doesn't matter if you're trying to put a shed together. And you get to the point where all of a sudden now the sides don't match. <laughs> you know you did something wrong. It doesn't matter what it is in our lives if we get away from the original intent of the original design that the designer has established for that thing, be it a recipe, be it a shed, be it whatever it is, we need to go back to the drawing board. We need to go back and actually open up the instructions, somebody, and start to read it. And find out where did I deviate from God's original intent. I can't begin to tell you how much this has been stirring in my spirit. We have done so many things for God. We've done a lot of good things for God. You, beloved, you've done a lot of good things for God. But can I tell you something the Bible says? Unless the Lord builds the house, <laughs> all of the good that we do, it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how, how blessed people are because of the act of goodness and kindness that you showed. Unless the Lord builds the house, all of our labor is in vain. It's not about us. It's never been about us. It's about Him, our Majesty, our Master, our Savior. Yes, our Lord. For it says in John chapter 1 that all things were made by Him. There wasn't anything that wasn't made that wasn't made through Him. In Him was the light. And that light became the light of men. God's original intent. I've been telling you there's such a, there's such a stirring inside of me. I know some of you probably were offended by my message last Sunday. I'm not going to apologize for it. Because it's what the Lord wanted you to hear. There is, the Holy Spirit is crying out right now. We can't wait until Rosh Hashanah, which is September, sundown, September 25th. We are in the decade of pay. We're in the Hebrew year of 5,782. 80 is the decade. It's all about the mouth. For the last couple of years, it's all been about the mouth. The special emphasis of God Almighty is what's coming out of your mouth, child. And we know that Jesus said, it's an indication what's in our heart, for Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. You can locate anyone by just listening to them. Just for a minute, you know where their heart condition is. Everything that God created, he created by the spoken word. Everything that we have in our life is a result of the words that we've spoken. The Hebrew alphabet has numerical value to each one of the characters in their alphabet. Yes, we're in the decade of the 80s, which is pay. 
But that last digit in the year two is the Hebrew letter bet, B-E-T. And their Hebrew alphabet also is hieroglyphic in, in nature. There's, there's pictures, pictograms, whatever you want to call it, a picture for each one of their alphabet characters. And the picture depicted for bet is, is like a house, a habitation. And I told you last year, around this same time, as we, went, we entered into Rosh Hashanah, which is always in the fall of the year, it's at the Feast of the Trumpets, the blowing of the trumpet, the blowing of the shofar. You better get used to hearing that shofar. Because that shofar is going to blow one of these days real soon. As it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, For the Lord Almighty shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us who are alive and remain, we shall be caught up together with them in the air. And there forever we will be with our Lord. Amen. Could that happen next Sunday? Or the, not Sunday, a couple Sundays from now. Or three Sundays, I don't know. The 25th, whenever that is. <laughs> Help me out, somebody. Could it happen? I don't know, it could. You know, no man, Jesus says, knows the day or the hour when Father God is going to tell me to come back and get my bride. Jesus himself doesn't even know. Only the Father knows. We must occupy until he comes. In other words, we must continue doing what he's called us to do. What's God's original intent for man? I told you last week. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God's original intent for the first Adam in regards to the kingdom was to bring increase in the domain that he had given him. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed him. God came down from heaven, down to this earth, and he got his knees on that ground, and he formed man out of the dust of the ground. He formed man, can you believe that, out of the clay of the earth? That's where that word, his name, Adam, comes from. It means a red hueish clay. And God gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. The kiss of God came into the very nostrils of man, and he breathed into man the breath of life. Right. And then God spoke his intent for man. And he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, Then God blessed them. And God said to them, man, he was speaking of mankind. It was just Adam at that time, but God saw Eve inside of Adam, you understand. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply the earth and subdue, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over everything, say everything. Put that slide up, please, the first slide. The five components of God's blessing, this is God's intent for man. Hallelujah. There'll be a slide coming soon. Maybe it's up, there it is, hallelujah. I did this in two minutes this morning. Aren't you glad that I'm starting to learn how to use some of this technology? Hallelujah. God's original intent for man, according to Genesis 1.28, when he spoke into man, he said, I, 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 I declare you to be fruitful. Say fruitful. fruitful. I declare you to, be, to multiply. Say multiply. I declare you to replenish this earth. Say replenish. He said, I want you to subdue. Say subdue. Subdue, subdue means to take a chaotic situation and bring order to it. Amen. The devil's nothing but chaos and confusion. That's right. James 3.16 says, wherever there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil thing present. 
If there's confusion in your life, it's not from God, it's from the enemy. And we have dominion in Jesus Christ to say, no, devil, and to bring things into order. And then he said, I'm giving you dominion. I'm giving you the ability to rule. Those five things, say fruitfulness, say multiplication, say replenishment, say quietness and peace, say dominion and rule, say, Father, I thank you. I'm walking in the full blessing of you. Can you imagine if the church would get a hold of this? How we could turn this world upside down. My Lord, we could change things and we could change them now. I told you that God is bringing his church and specifically this church, River of Glory, into a season, a supernatural increase. None like we've ever, 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 can I say Sister Sue, ever before. I loved your giving message. I loved it. Come on. I loved every bit of it. And I agree with every bit of it because it's what God is doing. But again, it has to go back to God's original intent. Because if we think for one minute that we can do anything to bring increase into this body, we are sorely mistaken. We have tried that time and time and time again. It's not that people haven't been blessed. It's not that we haven't done some good things. We've done some great things, and people have been super blessed by the things we've done. But can I tell you, and I want you to understand something, when our fellowship is right, our stewardship will be right. I've shared this with you so many times, but I want that to get ingrained inside of your spirit. In fact, say that with me. When my fellowship is right, my stewardship will be right. When our fellowship vertically with God is right, come on, we have to have a tight relationship, a current relationship, a dynamic, ongoing relationship, a growing relationship where he's our everything. Amen. And then if we don't spend time with him, we just can't exist. He's the next breath that we breathe. He's that next meal that's on our table. He's our comforter. He's the lover of our souls. He's our counselor. He's our righteousness. And when our fellowship is right horizontally, then our stewardship will be right. The early church, well, let me just back up and just say this. Everything that God created, it was his express glory coming through that, which he created. You say, give me a break, Pastor. Even ants? I hate ants. Yes. Spiders? Mm. Snakes? Absolutely not snakes. They are the devil. I could tell you that. <laughs> Everything that God created, he said it was good. And the first time he said something wasn't good is when he saw that man was alone. Isolation, separation, being set apart, being a lone ranger, doing your own thing in the body of Christ and thinking that you've arrived because you've got your ministry. That's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. Because there's not one of us that have it all. 
We have the potential to have it all, but we need one another to make the complete image of Jesus Christ in our community. And he's used man, mankind, and he's used the church as his two main witnesses to testify of his glory to this earth. As it goes with man, born again of God's spirit within the church, goes society, goes our culture. Amen? Because it's his original intent. We have no one to blame for the condition of the moral decay in our nation than ourselves. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. The early church. You can go ahead and put that slide up if you want to. The next slide. Starting in verse 42, and it's talking about the early church, and it says, and they continued just sometimes. They continued when they felt like it. They, could, they continued when it fit into their schedule. No, it says they continued steadfastly. This was a way of life. This was their very existence. They continued, who? The early church. Number one, in the apostles' doctrine. In the apostles' doctrine. Ooh, I can't wait to attack that one. We're not going to be able to get to that today. And the fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Amen. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were were sometimes together. No, they were together all the time. They were always together. And they had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple. Again, they continued daily with one accord. They were in one accord. They were together. They were of one spirit. They were of one heart. Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When is the Lord going to add to this body, church? When we go back to God's original intent, when we do those 10 things that the early church did, we go back to God's original intent. We have a hunger to hear from God. Somebody said to me recently, Pastor, there's a lot of good books in your bookstore, but have you ever considered maybe just covering them up or just taking them away for a little bit and leave nothing but the Bible back there? <laughs> wow. How many were here when Brother Susie from India, or... No, not India. Yeah, it was India. Brother Susi from India, when he was here, this was probably about, I don't know, how many years ago, a long time ago. At least nine years ago. How many appreciated his ministry? You remember how powerful it was? The presence of God was so strong. And he said something to me. He goes, Pastor, I don't read anybody else's books. I just read the Bible for myself. For, for Brother Susie, I guess it could work for every one of us. Amen? I'm not saying that there aren't good books out there. And there aren't good teachers and anointed teachers. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there. I got, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
but there was a hunger to hear God's word, to stay steadfast to the apostles' doctrine. There was an exciting sense of wonder and anticipation every time they got together because God would always show up. There are signs, wonders, and miracles happening all the time. It was just a normal way of life. It just takes one miracle in this house. We had a miracle with baby Margot. You know how excited we all got. But we need to see those all the time, see? That's God's original intent for us. Genuine kingdom fellowship. There was actually a, a culture of honor there. I mean, they, they sold everything that they had, and they, they put everything, you know, anybody had need, we'll take care of you, we'll take care of you. See, they didn't have a social security system. The temple in Jerusalem used to take care of the Jews if ever there was a need. But when these people discovered the true Messiah, Jesus... They were kicked out of the, the, the synagogue. There was no more bennies available for them. So they took care of one another. There was an outward focus. There was gladness and laughter among them. There was authenticity and there was a simplicity of heart. What you saw is what you got. They were all experiencing this new life in Christ together. And it was so exciting that they just couldn't help talking about it. When you're in love with somebody, all you do is think about them and talk about them all the time. And it doesn't matter who it is, you find somebody and you have an audience. And they, they did that. There was, there was outstanding, radical, heartfelt worship. Well, of course, we wouldn't even have to have instruments. If all of us were so excited about God, man, we could make some beautiful music in here. They had a good reputation in the community. And because of all of those nine things above, they grew. Because again, God's original intent for man is that we be fruitful, that we multiply, that we replenish, that we subdue. Amen? And that we rule and reign in him. Praise God. When the early church was born, it had these three things. Number one, it was a supernatural church. Number two, it was a powerful church. And number two, it was a community church. So you're saying, okay, pastor, why are you sharing all this? Well, like Moses of old, God has been drawing me to the burning bush in the midst of the desert. I can't begin to tell you uh, all I want to do is pray. That's all I want to do now. I don't care if I eat. I don't care if I sleep. I just want to pray. And in this, this time in prayer, I was here a few evenings this past week, and as I'm sitting in this chair in the presence of God, multiple times I felt that there was a presence right behind me. I mean, it was so strong. I had to actually turn around and look. You know how you get startled, Kathy, sometimes? Especially here at church when you're downstairs and I come up and you go, you go up right through the ceiling. Yeah. That's what I felt like. The presence of God was so strong. And he began to speak to me with greater clarity about the calling for this church and the assignment for this church. And he told me, you are not to be like the modern church. 
Don't try to be like the modern church. I want you to go back. I've called you to be a model and a replica of my original intent for my church. I said, okay. <laughs> That's going to go over well. <laughs> <laughs> See, the church of Jesus Christ, especially in America, has gotten so far away from God's original intent for the church to be an incredible witness of his glory. And as I shared with you last week, if God would allow the Apostle Paul to come back to earth and come through our churches in America, first of all, we wouldn't even recognize him. Secondly, even, even if he came, we wouldn't and he opened his mouth, we wouldn't receive the message that he'd have to share with us. Why? Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ, our modern-day contemporary church, in the desire to entice people and get people to come along with them, to be like the world. Well, you know, Paul said we need to be all things for all people that we might win some. But we've gotten so much like the world. We've gotten so, so much the world's way of doing things. That the apostle Paul would probably be thinking, what is this? I must have stepped into the Moose Lodge <laughs> or the Elks Club. Just waiting for the polka band to start. <laughs> I was a teen moose. I understand about the Moose Lodge. Okay. <laughs> we actually sing the moose will light up your life. And I'm telling you. <laughs> and because we've wanted to be accepted in our culture, more than accepted by Almighty God, because we've been more mindful of the things of man than the mindful of the things of God, because we've depended upon our own physical senses instead of being mature sons and daughters of God who are led by the Spirit of God. We've gotten away from God's original intent for us, and we have become, we're not, we're not relevant anymore. We're not relevant in, in, our, in our culture anymore. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? He said, in verse 13, he said, you are the salt of the earth. He commissioned us to be his salt to the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Is it any wonder why the Church of Jesus Christ, especially in America, has been the laughing stock of politicians and people that are, are, are enlightened, that think they know everything, but know nothing? He told us in verse 14 that we are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Beloved, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you became a child of light. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. Even that little speck that's still burning inside of you is still a witness and it can't be hidden. Right. It's got to shine. It's got to shine. It's got to shine. Amen. You know, the church of Jesus Christ, our modern day church in America, we've gotten overstimulated. I, you know, it's just like the restaurants nowadays. You can't go into a restaurant without 50 TVs blaring all around you. Well, let's go to a restaurant. Let's have a good time, honey. Let's just talk and visit. How can you talk and visit all, over all the noise? 
There's some restaurants I refuse to go because it's so noisy. We become so overstimulated by our light and sound shows we call today's worship services. And we have a plethora, I love that word, plethora, of voices clamoring and hoisting up a banner of truth that, you know what, we don't even know what truth is anymore. And if the spirit of truth would begin to speak to us, would we be able to hear his still, small, delicate voice? That's why I appreciate Brother Mavis. That's why at this church we are supporting Foundations Theological. Oh, Brother Mavis, Sister Mavis, come on, you guys. All you know are going to catch everything. Get ready, there's going to be more mistakes probably. That's why we're supporting her. Number one, she's a woman of God. Any woman of God that pours her heart in this passion to bring the foundation of God's word into the church of Jesus Christ and only charges $100 for class, I told her, sister, you should be charging $300 a class. It's that valuable. There's still time to sign up, by the way, if you haven't. And the homework is hardly anything. And you all have time to do it. It's a matter of priorities, really. So yesterday, in prayer, because everything was just building up, building up, building up all week. Even last night, I could hardly sleep at all because I'm so excited in my spirit. I can't begin to tell you the excitement that I have inside. And yesterday, we got together for prayer. And I encourage you to come for prayer. Yes, we do have prayer every week on Saturday mornings, starting at 8.30. We go until about 10 or whenever the Holy Ghost is done. But the Lord said this through me. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. Many have called and have responded, but they haven't waited on me. They've gone forth and they've done their thing. They've looked to man, they've looked to the world to entice men unto me. But have I not said that unless you look to me to build the house, all your labor is in vain. This is not a time for you to go forth and to do good things in my name. But child, I have called you, I have anointed you, I have separated you, I have equipped you to go forth in my name. What does it mean to go forth in my name? It means to go in the fullness of my spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's only by my spirit, it's only by me. Will you stop being busy, being busy, and will you draw unto me? For I'm calling you, I'm calling you upward, and I'm pulling out all those things that have distracted you, all those things that have taken place before me in your heart. I'm drawing out all the dross. I'm drawing out all the pride and self-sufficiency. Just because I've told you to do something in the past, does that mean I want you to continue to do it today? If you're going to continue to do it um, today, Could there not be another way in which I'm speaking to you to do it? There's no failure in me. The failure comes when you step out of me and try to perform for me and try to perform in my name. No, this is not a season of performance. This is a season of yieldedness to me, broken, broken, broken before me. Could you just let go of it all? Could you just let go of it? 
Have I not said, he who chooses to save his life will lose it? But if you choose to lose being in control and allow me to take over well, then I'll build it, and you'll see success beyond measure. For I give my spirit beyond measure, and my right hand of salvation is not slack towards you. Precious son, precious daughter, will you heed my voice today? Salvation is only in me. Deliverance is your bread. Rest in me. Rest in me and allow me to supernaturally build this thing called my church. And then we, we were just quiet in the presence of the Lord for a period of time. And then the Lord spoke through Medi, saying this, Rejoice, for Jehovah has spoken this day. I have a plan. You've heard my plan. Do not look around and say, it's all dying. It's all going away. I am the God who raises the dead. I am the God who raises up. You come and you sit at my feet. You come to sit at my feet. And I will speak again and again. But I will not speak to those who come with agendas. I will not speak to those who are self-seeking. But I will speak to those who have a surrendered heart. To those who truly seek me and know me. There are many in this place that want to know me. The Lord said through many, there's many. You're part of that many. In this place, you want to know God, don't you? He said, so I tell you that I am saying, rejoice, for I have spoken this day. I text messaged you and I told told you I wanted you to be here today. I know it's a holiday weekend, but we couldn't wait. It started with a tent revival. And I want to thank everybody for all your effort with the tent revival. That was a huge undertaking. And I know we had other churches and ministries helping us, but this church really took the brunt of all the work. And I want to thank you for it. It was a wonderful outreach. And God's purpose was accomplished. But can I tell you something? I was looking for souls. We were praying for souls. New believers, when I say souls. New believers coming into the kingdom. And we only received three commitment cards. Now, there could have been others that said the prayer that we weren't aware of. I get that. But three people were bold enough to fill out the card that said, I made a commitment for Jesus. That bothered me. And I said, Lord, why? And he said, because my church isn't ready yet. We're so busy being busy, 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 and we're doing good things. But again, his intent is for us to be fruitful and to multiply. I'm looking for the day where his Holy Ghost is so upon everything that we do so much that we can't even contain the blessing and the increase that we come from doing those things. Then, of course, it's that time of year, you know, where Christmas is coming up and, you know, we usually have something for the kids and it's an outreach for our community and the the last couple of years have been tremendous. Thanks to Becky. Thanks to Harlan. 
the Petersons. You guys have done a fabulous job with their children's outreaches. And because of this, this new mover, we're joining up with other churches that are smaller like us that are wanting to see something happen in Rochester. I called Becky, I don't know, four weeks ago, and I said, let me run this past you. What if we would see if there's other kids from these other churches that would want to help us with the musical? Right? So we can just do it up big. Well, she says she's such a such a wonderful servant to God. She ran with it and she goes, Pastor, I think we could do this musical and we could do it with everybody in the church. I'm going, oh, okay. <laughs> but all the while, and I think you were feeling it too, it was just... You know, when God tells you to do something and there's really an excitement, right? Because you know what's going to happen. But then there's a time where there's just something inside. You just, you don't know why you're not feeling so excited about it. Has anybody ever been there before? Hmm? And I said, what's going on, God? And I told you last week, ever since the pandemic, it has been a challenge as a pastor, to get everybody on the same page. There's so much individualism right now. And it's not only in this church. I talk to other pastors, too. That's why pastors are leaving the ministry like crazy right now. Because the most disheartening thing for a pastor is when his sheep don't follow him. And so I thought, well, Becky said, we can get everybody in the church we can, everybody will have a part. And I thought, wow, Lord, maybe this is your way to bring the church closer together. Wow, the common goal, we're going after this thing. And it's happened before, and we've done outreaches, and it's been wonderful. And there's just a sense of community and everything that we're talking about with the early church. And I thought, well, God, maybe this is your answer. This is your way. We met. I thought I was excited. After we left that meeting and I went home, again, that that dread started to come up, and I'm going, this is the, the devil, right? Long story short, through confirmation upon confirmation, we have decided that we are not going to do the Christmas musical this year. Not because we couldn't do it, and we couldn't do it well, and God would be glorified. And, and the gospel message, it was a wonderful salvation message, because that's all we do around here. But unless the Lord builds a house. And when we made that decision, God's been sharing more with me. And he goes, you know what? I've been waiting for you to just surrender and let me do it 100%. Because see, in the church now, we say we want the presence of God, amen? But sometimes I think we find our comfort in programs because that's what everybody's doing. And if you don't have programs, then people won't come to your church. So you got to have programs. And listen, we're still going to have a children's ministry. We're still going to have a youth ministry. We're still going to have a worship ministry. We're still going to do all those, a prayer, a course of prayer ministry. Right? And we're going to do it as unto the Lord in excellence. But we're going to let the Lord build it. And he said, Son, I'm so glad because I have an appointment with your church. Amen. I have an appointment with River of Glory. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to happen. 
but we're going to have a moed with God, an appointed time with God where he's going to come and he's going to visit us. I didn't tell you this, Becky, but I reached out to our our resident Anna in the house, B. Demery. B. Demery, some of you don't even know who she is, but she is a woman that doesn't come to church because of health concerns, but she is an intercessor intercessor. She gives herself to prayer and fasting all the time for this church. When we have church service, she's praying for us. She's praying for me all the time. So when things come up, I call her and I go, B, could you go before the Lord on this with us? And so because I was feeling this way, on Monday I called her. She called me actually because she needed prayer for, for her hip. It was hurting her. And I said, I'm glad you called because I was going to call you. And I told her about it. And after the Lord had spoken to your heart, Becky, and it was confirmed, right? Then she, um, she called me the next day, and she goes, Pastor, you have to call me. I'm really, I, I've been hesitant to tell you this, but you, 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 you cannot do the children's musical this year. And the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be confirmed. We are still going to do something for the kids. We'll have some sort of Christmas celebration. The kids will learn a song. They'll do something. We're not going to miss the boat. But because of this appointment with God, we're going to choose the better part. And in Luke chapter 10, you know the Mary Martha story? Jesus comes to their house. He's looking for something to eat. Martha's busy in the kitchen, busy, busy, busy making dinner. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? Every time Martha thought about it, she came out in the living room and she saw Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. She was getting more and more irritated. And she's thinking, give me a break. I'm doing all this work. I wish I could be sitting at Jesus' feet, but no, somebody's got to make dinner. Now, good thing that Martha made dinner. That was a good thing. Jesus was hungry. That's the reason why he came to their house and other reasons too. But Mary chose the better part, and that better part was to sit at the feet of Jesus. Church, listen carefully to me. And I need the, I need the worship team. Oh, well, you're still up there. You can start playing. This, is, this isn't a season to be busy. We have Rosh Hashanah coming up, and the 10 days of awe that we, that we observe here. And can I tell you something so exciting? I talked to Sister Eileen with IHOP. <laughs> but I told her that the prayer walk, she always says it on Saturday, but we couldn't make it because of Emily's wedding. I said, sorry, we can't make it. And I said, I want to be part of the prayer walk, so could you change it for me? <laughs> and she said, oh, I want you to be there. And so she changed it. She didn't realize she was changing it. It's now on Rosh Hashanah. It starts at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Rosh Hashanah is sunset on that Sunday. I said, do you realize it's Rosh Hashanah? And she said, no. She didn't know anything about it. So I shared with her about Rosh Hashanah and the seven feasts of the Lord. And I told her about the Hebrew year that we're in and the Hebrew year that we're coming to and what that all means. And let she called me the other day and she goes, I have to talk to you. She said, Pastor Pete, she goes, because the Lord's given you this revelation. She goes, I want you to lead the rally down to Peace Plaza and blow this shofar. 
I started to weep. Because I said, oh my God, what a privilege, what an honor to blow that show far and to pray, pray the prayer of repentance for the sins of this city. God's doing something here. On Monday, somebody had a vision and they told me, Pastor, what I saw was Noah's Ark. And Noah, that last slide, please put it up. That last, Noah, he was 500 years of age and he had his first child. Could you imagine that? Nicole, could you imagine having a baby when you're 500 years of age? And it says he was 600 when he entered into that ark. He had, a, he had three boys. They had to be, they were married, so they had to be at least 20 maybe. So I don't know how long it took him to build that ark, but it took at least 50 or 80 years, I bet. Well, some people say 120, but they get that confused with Jesus saying, man's life shall be 120. I digress. It doesn't matter. It took a while to build that ark. There wasn't one drop of rain that had come. Don't you think Noah was ridiculed and made fun of? Hmm? Don't you think we've been ridiculed and made fun of? For building God a habitation? Noah's Ark, what does it represent? It represents a habitation of safety. It represents a habitation of posterity. It represents a habitation of holding. Do you realize that they were on that Ark, I figured it out, 370 days? That's over a year. How many know that was probably a little ripe? It was probably ripe after one hour. Jeez. So it was a habitation of promise, and it certainly was a habitation of God's glory. After they had built the ark, there were seven days. All the animals were in there. Noah's three sons, his wife, and his daughter-in-laws, eight of them, were in that ark. Seven days. How many know God's merciful? On that seventh day, though, that door shut, and it was done. The Hebrew year we're coming up to, and I'm going to do a teaching on this in a couple of weeks, 5,783. That year three is Gamil. I, love, I like Jewish language, Gamil. And what it, it comes from the root word Gamal, which means to wean away from something. The Lord shared this with me in prayer. He said, I'm drawing you. He's drawing his church. He's drawing us upward. And he's drawing, he's drawing us out. He's drawing us upward in him. And all of Egypt is being drawn out of us right now. What side of that ark door are you on? Because that door is going to shut real soon. It's his mercy that, and it's his desire that all of us make it. But God will not strive with man forever. Judgment is coming in this next year. And for those that would rather just be playing church instead of being the church, severe judgment is going to come to you. But those who are the true remnant church that love God with everything that's within them, he's going to pour out blessings like we've never seen before. I want to have a period 
the Lord showed me two songs that we were to do to end. It's a holiday weekend. No one has to leave early. 